Welcome to Making Waves, a show about sound art, produced for WGXC Wave Farm by New Adventures in Sound Art. You're listening to Space 3 by Toronto media artist Hector Santeno. This is the audio component of a new media piece that communicates his perception of a forest environment influenced by his practice of meditation and mindfulness. In today's show, Hector Centeno will join us to talk about how he uses Amazonic soundscape recordings and photogrammetry in order to share with an audience his perception and intuitive responses to an environment. Before we get to the interview, here is more of Space 3 by Hector Centeno. Um, well, um, we've known each other a long time, and uh, but I've certainly over that time I've seen a kind of thread through all your work, which uh, seems to have to do with uh, very focused attention, and uh, this almost that the the experience of the artwork, no matter what medium you make it in, it seems to be really about the experience of experiencing the world. Um, and, uh, and that kind of, and you're sort of putting the listener in this, uh, almost quasi meditative state and, um, and what prompted that interest? What, what, uh, uh, how, how is it that that's main remained a, a, a through line through all, all of your projects? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you can, you read it like that because, uh, yeah, there's a lot of that, uh, in my intention uh it, it's it is just my own personal 
interest and I guess you could say passion or uh, of kind of inquiring about the nature of our mind, right? And how we perceive reality and uh, kind of also this kind of uh, being amazed by the by reality too, then just how things are in reality when we perceive them, particularly when we perceive them with an open mind and a receptive mind. So um, again, all of this influenced by my practice of meditation and uh, particularly uh, Zen style meditation, which is uh, a lot about um, awareness and mindfulness and being kind of open and awake, right? Uh, so, um, so for me, like just going into the world and exploring it and uh, coming across different environments and uh, practicing this kind of mindful perception of reality, listening, observing, uh, without kind of letting your your thoughts or your concepts get in the way, but me, being more kind of this open, creating this channel that directly connects with reality to your consciousness and to your uh, to your uh, that essential part of your consciousness that doesn't discriminate or or categorize or think, right? And, and that immediate perception and, and reaction you get from being open-minded like that and uh which is um personally for me is kind of it fills me with a lot of joy right and it's, it is a lot of kind of uh, um it's a, this flow of energy from reality that i wish to kind of pass on through my work in some way to uh, and transmit it through my work so other people can at least um, in some way kind of get an idea of what the, kind of the, what i'm experiencing and what i'm i'm uh, perceiving right and hopefully help people to also kind of tune into the same way which is something that we all are capable of doing right we all have the same kind of nature of consciousness and the same kind of um, uh, ability of being open to reality and to perceiving reality so uh so it just uh, my work just reflects that right uh, so i try throughout the whole process to that be the thread that kind of informs um from the from like the moment I'm capturing materials, from the moment I'm working with those materials with sound or with images, and then also trying to bring that on the on the performance side when I'm delivering the work, right? This is also counterbalanced, you could say, with a uh, very cutting edge technology that's uh, yeah. complex <laughs> to yeah. uh, operate and run, which you do all yourself. And uh, how, so how, that's a different side of the brain. So how do you negotiate these two yeah. realms and trying to maintain the connection with uh, um, this this other state that you're trying to maintain through the process? Yeah, yeah, I think it is, it's probably, uh, I think that's, I guess I'm influenced by the, process uh, as because i you know my uh my initial studies were in music composition i mean i was a music performer right so so performing uh an instrument for example uh requires technique right so so yeah there's the technical side of the instrument and then there is the 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 working on that technique constantly uh until you make it part of you right part of your own body right part of your own uh, uh in a way that you can just just express with it right and same thing with painting same thing with other kind of 
um, art making that requires technique, right? A, an interface between your body and tools, right? Being a brush, being an, a, an instrument, being. So I, I think I approach computers and technology in kind of that same way. I, I sometimes discover what oh, is this new technology and I get excited about the possibilities it could have as a as a expressive tool. And then I just study it and try it and 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 my my goal is to in some way i mean it's not um it's hard to become a master as a piano player of all these different technologies but at least acquire certain level of comfort with the technology where i can now use it that more directly right to to um to express what i'm trying to express so it's usually when i start a new work I have a combination of I'm exploring new technologies, but at the same time, I'm trying to find out how to express myself with those technologies. So I will go first for a phase where I'm just technically reviewing the tools and kind of playing with them and figuring out what is possible and what is not and getting ideas and maybe developing a little bit extra uh, elements to those, to those tools, right? like coding some software or like modifying them or trying to create connections between tools. And once that I get an idea of how they work, then I move to the next phase, which is more intuitive, right? Now, now that I have more or less understood the tools, now I start to create the actual work. And the kind of my mind shifts from technical to more just like expressive and immediate and trying to use them, right? Uh, There's a, a really good example I like, which I mean, it's, it's obviously hard to get it to completely apply to uh, what I'm doing, but there is uh, the art of uh, Zen calligraphy or Zen painting, right, in Japan, where uh, it's used as a tool for meditation, right? So there's this mastering of the brush, right, with black ink sometimes only over black white paper and being in this mental uh, state of meditative open mind. And then uh, to the point that uh, you're able to just, uh, with very intuitive uh, brush strokes, like create an art, right? Create artwork that is kind of coming directly from that state of open-mindedness and awareness and, and mindfulness, right? So it requires technique, but also requires that open-mindedness and that immediacy. So I'm looking so how to at least a little bit, right? Try to accomplish something like that with uh, computers rather than with uh, digital technology is some of that connection between the mind and body and a kind of openness is this also evident with uh just improvisation musical improvisation uh, uh is this a similar kind of mentality or is there a difference in what you're describing no absolutely like improvising can get you into that mental state absolutely right which i also love improvising right uh uh, I do. I like, and which is what I try to do with my performances, right? Like this one I just had, uh, right, uh, at, at South River, uh, where you saw me. Like I'm actually, I I prefer to have some, if not all. Ideally, it would be if I can do all of them, but some of the elements of the performance being able to be controlled by me at the moment of I'm presenting the piece, right? So in some way, I'm improvising there too, and that also allows me to get into this mental state of. Um, I've had to be aware of what I'm doing, right? Because it, uh, otherwise, I know I know what's going to happen, and I always leave these unknowns there, right? So it's not a perfectly planned improvisation. I always like to leave it and a bit of it unknown what's going to happen because I want to be in that kind of edge, kind of state of I have to be aware, right? And I have to be present, so or things can go wrong, right? But also because to make things go right or go the way I want them to go. Right? 
and and I think also me being present there with the audience and them perceiving me doing that hopefully will also help them tune into what I'm expecting them to read into the work, right? Which I think it, it was nice to see that uh, a lady approached me right after the performance and, and she, she mentioned that, right? She said, uh, I never seen this kind of work before, but just it, it was very meditative and seeing you there aware and doing it in this kind of state of meditation is really, uh, uh, it, it, it helped me, right? It, understanding and, and perceive it, right? So. So, uh, so yeah, it, it, it definitely improvisation, musical improvisation has that. Also, like even sports, right? Some sports uh, people get into that kind of mental state of runners, particularly marathon runners, right? Uh, sometimes they, they say, well, that's our secret, right, to enduring. Uh, because, yeah, you get into this. And I, I actually experience it, too. I like running, too. I like just even just on a treadmill, right? Because you get also in that kind of mental state where, if you really forget all your thoughts and you're just really present and just feeling your body and just moving it, there's even this influx of energy that comes, right? And you feel like you cannot, you can run forever, right? You, you don't get tired. Um, so it's, yeah, it's opening all these kind of energy channels, right? You can open them for sports. You can open them for creativity, right? For art making, right? When you start shaping this experience through this meditative uh head space if you will uh then you're starting to bring in images sounds all of which have different uh affect people in different ways that lead to, to different associations and ideas so uh, almost approaching to a point of maybe constructing a narrative um and uh so where does that play in in the in this is there is it is a meditation a form of uh, you know, is there a story aspect to a meditation that, um, in terms of how you're going through the experience? Yeah, uh, that's why I like to tie the pieces to a specific location that I'm exploring, right? So I think that's what the, the main narrative thread is. Uh, so it's a process where, for example, in the case of uh, this piece that um, uh, NASA commissioned me to to work on, and you supported uh, me on the process by uh, allowing me to be there at, at, in South River, right in that location, and exploring the forest and exploring that particular moment of the year, right, which was the in the spring, right, where there was still a little bit of uh, maybe snow on the ground, but life was kind of kind of starting to come back to uh, 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 in full energy, right. So. Um, so that being there and being mindful and being present in that location, exploring it, uh, just by being present and then recording sounds and taking images, performing all these 3D captures using photogrammetry. Um, and uh, that becomes the narrative, right? That becomes, that's what guides what, uh, what comes after. So it's, I'm hoping that whatever insights that intuitively I acquired during that process will be the narrative of um, the, um, uh, the the final piece, right? And then I sometimes discover, like after the fact, because during the process, I'm just trying to be very open-minded and intuitive more than having a predetermined narrative I want to infuse into the work. It's more like I'm, I'm just reacting to the, to the place and to the materials I capture, and so I'm working with them in my studio and trying to create the piece, right? After I went all that technical 
research process first, right? And now I'm actually working on making the piece by looking at those materials, listening to those sounds and looking at the images, kind of all the, all the in intuitive insights I got while being in the location kind of come back. They kind of replay in me and affect my decisions when I'm processing and changing, uh, processing sounds and processing images and creating virtual environments and um, and uh, it all of that kind of affects my decision making, which again is still very intuitive and very open. And when I'm done with the piece, then I might discover uh, narrative threads that maybe went through that I didn't notice at the beginning that obviously have to do with me, right? Because I'm I'm there too, uh, me with all my memories, all my feelings, all my my past, right? even though I try to probably not pay too much attention to that, but it's there, right? And somehow it influences my work too. So there's kind of a, and, and, and I like that because it's kind of this unification between environment and myself, which we are all unified in, in, in that way with the world which surrounds us, right? So so I like to find also that that unification there. And, um, and yeah, it could be that at the end I discovered it's about something, right? It's maybe there's something specific there about me and about something in that environment, right? Actually, there's a lot of me in the piece because uh, you're capturing, you know, my uh, an environment that I experience every day. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I would hear sounds or see things that I would have my own associations of um, that uh, maybe, uh, you know, so I, I, as a listener experiencing, and a viewer experiencing the piece, I'm also constructing my own uh, narrative and, and um, have you found from feedback from listeners that they give you a, a narrative that different than yours and, and maybe uh, challenges which you might have in, intended to make? Uh, yeah, for other work, it's been like, I mean, the, for in the case of this piece I presented at, uh, in South River, right? And nobody really uh, mentioned the connection between the everyday life uh, perception of the sound uh, environments and how they connected and how they they perceive them in my work. Um, I did actually when I was presenting the work, I did, uh, I was thinking about about you and Nadine, right? How you will guys perceive the work being so immersed in that environment, right? It will be interesting also to know how how, how you react to it. But I've had in other pieces I've made. Um, it's been, uh, yeah, I've been, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see how people get associated with the work in a different way, right, uh, from what I intended. Um, although I'm happy to see that most of the times they do perceive this sense of meditation and, and, and kind of calmness, right, and um, uh, with some VR work I had in the past too, right, um, uh, I had some an interactive virtual reality piece I created, which was kind of the same process of capturing a place and playing sounds and getting objects from that place represented in a virtual reality environment. Uh, I did find people who, I mean, just because of the medium, some of them might take it as a game, right? So they will have like a different kind of attitude, more like, why do I do in this virtual environment world? Why do I, and they, they, they react in a very gamey, playful way. Whereas I have uh, the case of a lady who told me like she was, uh, she was actually crying, right? Because she said, you brought me a lot of peace, right? And for me, it was kind of a, uh, a very peaceful experience that reminded me of, uh, of things that happened in her life, right? So, uh, so yeah, it can vary, definitely. And, and that's, that's, that's fine, right? That's the open, um, the open side of the work that I, I like that also see people um, exploring and understanding in different ways. 
are there other solutions to that issue of uh, dealing with people's expectations in an interactive context? I think that's a problem with with all kind of interactive artwork, right? You never know how people are going to react and how they're going to how they're going to read it, how they're going to physically interact with the piece, and if they're going to do it in a way where you prefer them doing it, so they can actually get into the work and get immersed and get kind of um, get that out of the work that you expect them to get. And that's yeah, that is a challenge in, indeed. And 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 I guess which is why um, while doing working with virtual reality, I thought well. Um, uh, how even though I try to guide the audience right in certain direction, just the this the the medium of virtual reality, for example, is so heavily influenced by the video gaming scene, right? That it was really hard to extract that out of the audience, right? They put a VR headset, immediately they think it's a video game. Um, so I guess maybe over time, as technology gets adopted uh, more widely and gets used in more kind of wider use cases, other than video gaming then people will come to realize that it's not, it's just a medium, right? It's like television, right? Or, or like a TV um, set, right? Where you can play movies or you can play video games, you can do many things with it, right? So so eventually we'll get there. But definitely also as an artist, you can guide the audience, right? Try to guide the audience in some way, like by placing limitations or placing uh, teasers that draw the audience into certain behaviors, right? But it's always hard to completely... Um, control that so um so which is why i for this last work i made i decided to have a bit more control i, I it, it is about a virtual environment but instead of giving the audience complete control of how they navigate and observe that um, environment i decided well i'm going to guide them right kind of take them by their hands and telling them okay look at these things with this speed with this amount of awareness and with calmness right um and approach it in this way. So kind of trying to also guide them into that mental state. So yeah, it is an open question for me, how, how to bring that into a completely interactive piece, right? Where you have um, complete, uh, where, the, where the audience have a bigger agency of uh, you know, more choice on how to uh, navigate the work, right? Uh, um. Does your work take a certain amount of time to experience? for yes. for it, this for it to be experienced in the way time that yeah that's it. a really good point yeah exactly like everybody seems to be rushed right uh, and this happens with all kinds of visual work too like uh when i go to an art gallery and there's even just paintings or there's some video artwork like just projected on a corner of a gallery uh you can see people rushing right it's usually uh we all very kind of rushed in consuming uh particularly i mean now with technology and, and social media there's this rush of fast consumption and next 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 right uh which it, it the platform themselves reinforce that attitude right so uh so i i if i once for example i went to a show and i sat there was a video art piece and i I like to sit there and experience the whole piece from beginning to end, and even sometimes twice, right? So I can get to experience the piece. And uh, and when I, um, I I got up, right, and I started walking away, the the person guarding the gallery, right, taking because those are the ones who get to see the audience, right, reacting. Uh, he he approached me and he told me like, "Oh, you really sat and really." Uh, try to absorb the piece, right? That's the, we don't see that often, right? It's like, so, uh, so, so that's something that I'm trying to also point at, right? With my work is like this is work that requires investment of energy and time and effort and and to be there and let it uh, 
uh, absorb, right? Uh, uh, they be part of you. And that's something I, uh, when I teach my students, I also try to teach them that skill, right? You have to invest time, you have to invest energy to absorb the world, to absorb your artwork, to absorb other people's artwork, right? And making part of you. And then that informs your process and informs your creativity and your understanding of the world too. Right? Yeah, I, I wondered if it's, some of it's inherent with the different media that uh, and presentation contexts that a performance allow, uh, you know, uh, requires uh, all of us to, although you can leave any time, but uh, the expectation yeah. is that you sit down with this group yeah. of people for whatever You're length of time. You're trapped there, right? You're trapped, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but also with VR, I there's a, a certain uh, uh, intensity to the information coming yeah. at you visually uh, that some people seem to want to make the experience very short because of oh, yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, is this a is this a roadblock, or is this can be can this be overcome in some way? Yeah, it is definitely a roadblock. And that's a technological, mostly a. Uh, human um, interface with technology kind of uh, problem, right? Um, because uh, the hardware we have right now is not, it doesn't perfectly adapt to your senses in a way that will make you feel comfortable. So there's that aspect first, right? Some people find it very nauseating, for example, just to put a VR headset and they cannot, they cannot take it for even a few seconds, right? They need to take it off right away. Yeah. Whereas there's other people who can wear it for hours and have no problem. So, uh, and that's because of the, the the physical limitations of the hardware itself, right? As when it comes to actually being able to accurately replicate your uh, senses, right? Your vision and your hearing and your, uh, even your embodiment, right? How you feel in, in reality, right? To actually replicate that with hardware is really hard. And they're trying to improve that. One aspect, for example, is uh, focal points with your vision, right? When you put a VR headset, your eyes are always focusing on the same point constantly, which is the that screen that you have right in front of your eyes. And um, even though you do a little bit of adjustments when you're looking at objects farther away, it's not the same that you do with the convergence, right? When your eyes kind of actually converge to uh, focus light at different distances. And that's not present, right? So your eyes are always fixed in that position and you get, that's why you get tired. And also your kind of your equilibrium system doesn't work the same and you might get nauseous. And and also the the, the speed of the, the how fast those displays can refresh the information, right? So all of those things need to get to the point where they actually mimic uh, reality and or our physiology can react in the same way, right? And I think at that point, it will get more comfortable and people will, the experience, the quality of the experience will improve, right? But that's still down the road a few years from now, um, maybe five, 10 years where we have, it technology might change completely, right? Maybe, I don't know, you know, Elon Musk with a, uh, his neural link thing where he's trying to actually implant uh, uh, something inside your brain directly, right? Tap into your brain directly. So we don't know if maybe that's will yield something or maybe not. Maybe we will never get there, right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, But yeah, there's ways of helping that, right? Uh, when you're making work for VR, it could be, well, don't have your audience fly around, right? And while they're not physically moving because that causes nausea. So, which is why I try my experiences to be very 
steady and very, you, you are in this space. So you are now in another space that is equivalent to the size of the space you are, and you have the same mobility in that space, nothing else added, right? Uh, so yeah, it, it is a whole topic in itself, yeah, to get uh, people comfortable and actually enjoy the experiences. Yeah. I just wanted to switch gears to your piece and yeah. you, you had the images kind of arranged in a artificial environment, I guess you could say that yeah. where the, the images were almost like uh, displays. And then when you went to that display, it opened up into, into a, into a uh, more three-dimensional experience of that image. Yeah. But, uh, um, but this aspect of, of them sort of hanging around in a, room uh, in an interior room these yeah. outdoor worlds um uh i wanted to getting back to this idea of constructing narrative and uh, mm -hmm. uh shaping uh, the person's experience uh how uh, how is it that you settled on that construct of of it being an interior space in, w in which you yeah you uh, experience yeah. these exterior worlds yeah, there's different elements, and it, it comes again from uh, mindful perception of places, right? Uh, when you are in a place, there's different aspects that contribute to your experience there, like your what you call the phenomenology, right? That immediate experience of the place, which is, I mean, you have sound, right? Sound is you have sound all around you coming from from different places in space, right? You have uh, lighting, right? Color, texture shape of objects and you also have um, a sense if you are for example in an interior place or you're surrounded by buildings or by structures or by trees right there's this sense of space right of uh, general overall uh, space where you are right uh, ar the architecture more the architectural side of that uh, so uh, so which is that I, I I love architecture and I like I like to explore how architecture makes you feel when you traverse different places, particularly in urban places or indoor spaces, how the sense of um, architecture and uh, configuration of your space makes you feel uh, as do you react to enclosed spaces or large spaces or um, and um, how sound and light interacts with those spaces. Uh, so that sense of, uh, is what I'm is one, one more element right that I'm playing with in constructing these virtual virtual places right I'm also have I'm also considering the architectural side of it so and I like playing with the mix the blend between man-made spaces right which is why you'll see these rooms right that look like man-made right they have like pillars and they have walls and they have ceiling uh, so that kind of uh, play between man-made and natural right and the blending of both uh, so again, it's all of this is decided in an intuitive way, right? And while well, I'm working and that's how I also decided the, the physical configuration of the place. And also part of my process, right? I, I need to 3D model these, uh, virtual places, right? So I start when I'm doing that 3D modeling, I'm also just reacting in an intuitive way, right? What kind of space do I want to feel I'm in, right? What kind of openings I'm going to have in that space? Like, in, for example, in the case of this piece, there is a circular opening in the ceiling, right? And that gives you a certain kind of feeling of kind of openness with the sky, right? And things coming from the sky and the tree finding its way outside of the man-made space, right? It has kind of a way out and connecting with the sky. Um, so I think about those, I kind of intuitively find those things, right? And um, 
And actually, an aspect that I didn't mention uh, during the presentation of the piece is that the reverberation that you're hearing, like all the sounds I'm playing inside that virtual place have some reverberation. And actually, the reverberation was calculated out of the actual geometry I created. So I create first the 3D model of the, of the room, right, of this architectural space. And then using uh, simulation software, I create impulse responses. Uh, ambisonic impulse responses of that space, and that's what I use for the reverb. Right? So it's, I'm trying to create that connection too, right? Where the way sound bounces correlates with the actual configuration of the room of the spaces, which is on, an ongoing research I've been doing. I, I want to play that w more with that, and uh, I have maybe experiences where I'm not only in one architectural space but i'm going from one to another that is maybe different sizes and then you can sense that change in um in acoustics right in 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 how sound reverberates and how bounces uh. it was interesting uh, one of the problems with uh, mixing a video of the performance was uh dealing with the reverberation of the of the space that it was presented in so that's yet another space that <laughs> that uh, is uh, uh, enters into it which is great right because the performance of the piece is another is, is a real another kind of realization of the piece right so uh, so it is it is that performance in that location so it becomes kind of a, a meta piece of the of the piece right yeah do, when you create these interior spaces, are you? Um, I guess you are, in a sense, creating them from scratch for each artwork or each piece. Uh, yeah. I suppose as opposed to a default one that's uh, Hector's uh, interior space that he experiences all his artworks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to create uh, different ones. There's influence between one and the next, right? You, if you if you see other uh, explorations I've done with also with architectural places, you'll see there's common elements that I'm repeating. But I guess that's with any artwork, right? There's always those kind of common uh, uh, threads that you keep going back to and you want to explore more, right? Uh, particularly, uh, I I tend to create these architectural spaces where there is an opening in the ceiling, right? So for me, that kind of is an element that I I, I like to go back to and. Uh, so, but yes, for each work, I try to create a new, a new environment. Is there a disconnect between uh, the the presentation space where we had speakers all around the audience and yeah. sounds coming from behind and above you and so on, but the screen being just flat front yeah. uh, image is is this a uh, is is this a, the uh, really a, a case where conventions of screening presentation are are um, not consistent with the nature of the artwork. We should have had a 360 degree screen or yeah. Uh, is, yeah. is this a, how does, how does uh, one, or is there something about our visual perception that we can abstract things? Uh, yeah. Um, but I, I was just kind of interested in that aspect of what would be the ideal presentation if it, if it wasn't say happening in virtual reality. Yeah. It's interesting. Right. Uh, I guess, again, it's about thinking uh, of audience agency or how they are reading the work. Because the moment you have a 360 um, screen, or even if it is a VR headset and you have the possibility of looking in any direction, right? Then you start wondering, well, where will the audience be looking at, right? Uh, how will they uh, decide where to look at? 
and then the whole presentation could would change the way right the narrative is presented and how the work is presented right so um in some ways yes there is a, an immersion limitation by having just a flat screen that frames only a certain area of the environment in front of the audience right as a standard projection uh, but that also presents an opportunity for me for to frame the reception of the work, right? So it's like a window inside that environment, that virtual environment I created, and I'm guiding the audience where to look at through that window. Um, so I think it's I think I like that. I like that aspect, right? They have that limitation in some way, in in the way that I can now perform the piece and I can guide that exploration, right? And fo make the audience focus in certain areas of the environment. But definitely having a complete, I mean, ideally too, right? Would we have either a 360 screen or like a spherical a dome, right? A projection dome or um, or a VR headset that is capable enough, which is also a limitation right now with hardware, which although it's kind of gradually getting better, is that to really uh, have a fully immersive 360 environment uh, with where the audience can move in a VR headset and that has the visual fidelity and the acoustic fidelity I'm after, that is is hard to to do, right? And uh, the, the computers right now cannot handle because I like photorealism, right? And I like very detailed, high quality, high uh, uh, high detail objects and textures, right? And to achieve that with a VR headset is, uh, and the hardware currently is hard. It's getting, as I was saying, it's getting more and more doable uh, with new technological changes uh but uh and advances but uh yeah it's still not quite there so so yeah so uh, uh definitely there is the yeah, pros and cons of having different levels of immersion right when you present the work is there with ambisonic recording and uh reproduction also limitations i mean it's not exactly as we hear it and yeah. uh, and it's also being dispersed among in, among uh, this array of loudspeakers. Which, um, so, what are some of the challenges with that? Yeah, definitely, that is it is a challenge, right? Uh, as you know, when we uh, from uh, working with Ambisonics, is it's always a challenge to like the sweet spot, right? Like to have the audience in the sweet spot so they perceive the the spatial configuration, a spatial kind of. Um, composition of the work uh, properly. So that's always a challenge too. Um, but uh, I mean, I, I think it can be, also, well, I guess our, the other aspect with ambisonic recordings is, uh, which is something to explore in the future, right? Is that you, it's always a fixed point per, um, uh, perspective, right? If, if, if you're moving, uh, translating yourself, right? You're, the whole uh, ambisonic sound field is not translating also, right? So. So that's, you're always in the same fixed point. Uh, there's ways of kind of cheating that, but it doesn't sound the greatest. Uh, so what would be something to explore, which is something that or some companies are trying to explore is this uh, multi uh, microphone capture systems, right? Where you place an array of ambisonic microphones spread out through a location, right? And then, so you record from different points of, of, uh, of listening, right? And then using software as virtually you move from one point to another, you kind of cross fade from one to the other. So you can have this idea or this perception of translation in, in the 3D space and still listen ambisonically, right? To the, 
so something will be interesting, right? Like bring an array of 50 ambisonic or, or, or 100 <laughs> ambisonic microphones, right? Spread them around uh, the forest, right? In a wide area uh, and record all of them in sync, uh, right? And then use that for a virtual environment exploration. That would be kind of quite a, an interesting uh, piece because then you could go from being inside the forest and then in the virtual environment move yourself maybe to the to the lakeshore, right? And have all that sound uh, 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 environment change, right? Uh, as you move. So so definitely, yeah, that would be something interesting to explore. But yeah, there's there's limitations. Uh, but definitely, I mean, again, there's limitations with anything. It not visually too, there were a lot of limitations I had to play with, and that's part of making art or you're always playing with limitations so um and it becomes part of the work do you become defined by the limitations does that define you the work? do yeah mm -hmm. i think eventually you yeah they influence you definitely i mean there's a lot of things i would like to do but then you cannot do them so uh, limitations of time right <laughs> limitations of energy limitations of financial resources limitations of technical resources uh all those play uh, all the time uh, all your own uh, mental and uh, uh, limitations right and, and uh, skill limitations too right so yeah. and uh, one other limitation is uh, this being radio can we uh, just listen to the piece without seeing it yeah absolutely yeah now, when I was making the piece I was having that in mind right I was also thinking okay I want this piece to also work if you only listen to uh, to it right uh rather than looking uh I, I was i might create a version of the work that is for listening only right uh which uh, favoring more that perspective right um uh, because yeah as uh, as the visuals move right also they affected the perspective of what you're listening which makes sense when with the visuals but might not make more sense when you're only listening right so uh so it'd be interesting. Maybe I, I should work on that and create another version for listening only. But uh, hopefully, right, just the version that we have from the performance, uh, listening only should hopefully also give something uh, to the audience. You've been listening to Making Waves here on WGXC. That was Hector Centeno in conversation with me, Darren Copeland. And to take us out to the end of the show, here is more from uh, Space 3 by Hector Centeno. Uh, to view a video of his performance, uh, you can go to NASA Tube, which is the YouTube channel for NASA. Thanks for listening. Making Waves will return one month from now.